Welcome to Next Level Healing. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Perry. For 25 years, I've helped professionals, first responders, celebrities, Olympians, teachers, moms, dads, and people just like you achieve their results better and faster than they thought possible. This is where measurable modern science meets the quantum. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive right in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Next Level Healing. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Perry, and I am here with Christine Melanie Benson. She is the author of Marrying Myself. I had the delicious privilege of meeting Christine um, at an event. And when I heard the concept of her book, I my ears pricked up. I thought, that's cool. Because so much of what I'm doing with my work is there's always some part of somebody of ourselves that we're rejecting. And as much as we do the self-help stuff and the affirmations and the, oh, I love myself, it's crazy how something can get stuck in there that somebody's pressing down, rejecting, and what we resist persists. It's like that beach ball that, you know, pushes up and we just try to push it down all the time. So, Christine, welcome to my show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I loved, loved, loved your book because, uh, yes, I did download it as soon as I heard the concept. And I'm thinking that's really different. That's unique. Tell us how you came about uh, coming up with the concept. Yeah, well, it's funny to think back because the, the book was a few years in the making, to say the least. And so originally I just thought of it, oh, it's going to be a fun romance story with some ups and downs. And then as I started writing and continued writing, I realized, no, this is about a lot more than just, you know, a romance gone awry. This is about love and it's about learning to love yourself and how unless unless we do that, there's only a certain level of, of happiness we can ever achieve because we're uniquely qualified to love ourselves. We're the only ones who are with our, with ourselves every moment of every day. And so if we if we shortchange ourselves of that unique variety of love, then then we're really missing out on just a crucial component of life and happiness. And so the book came, you know, it just deepened for me as as I wrote it and as I thought about it and just felt it in my heart. And then I, I hadn't conceived of the final, I'm not going to do a spoiler, but I hadn't conceived of the final scene when I started writing the book. I, in, in fact, the title Marrying Myself was just a fun title to me. You know, it, it didn't have that deeper meaning. And then as time went on, I think the the title sort of subconsciously influenced me. And I realized, yeah, that's what this is about. It's about committing to honor and be true to ourselves. How uh, long from the first time? I mean, it's so funny how creative impulses happen. And, and it's great that you followed through on it because is, are you a first time author? This is my debut. Yeah. I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, so many people, myself included, you know, I, I have had ideas for 57 books, none of them have forgotten. <laughs> 57? That's an no, I just, I'm, I'm coming up with a number. Well, maybe I, 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 I'm one of those people that my brain is constantly going. And But to actually sit down and and take a, 
this baby from beginning to end and birth it is really an amazing accomplishment. What was that like to 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 not, never have written a book before, have this really cool idea and then gestate it and play with it and not even know the ending yourself until you started the birthing process? Yeah, it was it was fun. I mean, it took it took a while, but it's the book has an interesting background because initially kind of, again, so funny to think back, but I was living in Boston at the time, which is where the book is set. And I had a friend who was this, you know, really cool, like artsy, theatrical kind of dramatic type. And she came to me and said, I like to write and I know you like to write, so we should write a book together. And, you know, let's write a romance novel because that's the genre that's most profitable. It's the only one where readership is actually increasing and profits are going up. So let's write a romance novel. And I said, okay, sure. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that's not what I would typically write. I would write something more substantive and deeper and more philosophical. Um, But I thought, sure, it'll it'll get me writing because even though this is my first book, like you, I had had a zillion ideas. I had started many things and just hadn't quite followed fr- followed through to the getting them out into the world. So with this project, I decided to take that opportunity that this friend was presenting to me. So we came up with, you know, just a couple of starting points, you know, about a woman who was engaged to be married to the love of her life, her true soulmate who also happens to be incredibly wealthy, although that's not why she's marrying him. And gorgeous. <laughs> and gorgeous. Yep. Yep. The whole <laughs> the whole enchilada. Um, and so we came up, you know, just again with a few plot points and decided that we would each, you know, write a couple of chapters every week and send them to each other. So I went off and I wrote the first chapter of the book. And then <laughs> and then this this my friend, she just kind of Blaked, you know, which was, which was, you know, as part of her charm and also her, you know, also part of her <laughs> um, challenging side too. But <laughs> she, she kind of just lost interest. And I decided by then I had already kind of started thinking about the characters, thinking about the concepts. And I thought, well, you know, screw it. I'll write the book myself. And so that's, that's what I ended up doing. And it really, like- time from from when please you still don't ask that please don't ask <laughs> was it a it long was, time short time it, it was a long time. it was a long time it, yeah it, but but i would say it would have to be because i mean the detail in the book and the characters and the and the and the plot line i mean we, i loved it i mean i really did um i found it highly entertaining highly engaging the characters were interesting um relatable i love that it didn't have a formula thing to it. You know, it was, it was outside the box. It was unique. It was fresh. Um, um, and I like the, the ultimate theme, which is, you know, if you got to love yourself, but it, it starts there. We radiate a different energy when we love ourselves, don't we? If we, we do. love ourselves, we, we radiate do. that energy. And then that's, that's just not attractive. Right. I know it's so true. It's so true. And I think people sometimes think of self-love as sort of a consolation prize, like, you know, uh, a poor substitute for the love of a romantic partner. And 
I, I probably felt that way myself at different points in my life. But now I've come to realize that 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 needs to be my foundation. Like with that as a foundation, you can actually go places. You can actually do things. But if you're lacking that, like you said, you just radiate this sort of leavy, um, just darker energy. And yeah, it's, it's not attractive and it's just, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. And I've been aware of, I mean, it's so funny. We, we think, oh, well, all I need is the perfect partner and then everything will be great. But then you look around and you see people in partnerships and how many of them want to be in the partnership with their <laughs> I mean, you know, the foundation of your house is how do you feel about yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what you're born with. That's what you die with. Totally. And, you know, we hear a lot about abandonment issues. You know, we've all been abandoned and betrayed and, and hurt and cast aside and rejected. And, and yes, it's, it's painful for sure. But what I realized for myself is that, yes, all those things happened. But in real time, the person who was most abandoning myself was me. <laughs> you know, I was <laughs> I was betraying myself. Anytime something bad happened, I told myself, oh, it's because there's something wrong with you. And I would, you know, I would just, I would be the first one, you know, berating myself or criticizing myself or shaming myself. And then I, so I realized like, oh, I don't have to do that anymore. And not only that, I don't want to do that anymore. And like, what a joy and a privilege to be there for myself, to be an advocate for myself, to be a fan of myself, you know, not just to kind of tolerate and begrudgingly accept myself, but to to be a true fan, you know, a cheerleader. And in fact, part of what what helped me get to that place is a type of therapy called internal family systems therapy. Or part of that. Or parts. Yeah, it's also known as parts work. Mm -hmm. So I became a, a trained practitioner in IFS, internal family systems. And it, it was revolutionary for me because basically IFS teaches that we've got all these different parts to our mm -hmm. personalities, of course. And each one of those parts is like a person. You know, it has a whole set of fears and values and emotions and concerns. And if we talk to these parts and find out what's going on with them, even the ones that are wreaking all kinds of havoc in our life, we invariably find that in some capacity, in some way, shape or form, they're trying to help. So for me, for instance, you know, I've always had issues with anxiety you know, just some high strung by nature. And so anxiety has been a big thing for me. And so through my IFS work on a personal level, you know, the, the way IFS therapy works is, is the therapist facilitates a dialogue between the client and her parts. So it takes a little getting used to, but once you, once you do, it's, it's pretty, pretty powerful. So when I did this with my anxious part, you know, and started talking to that part, I just realized, oh my goodness, like this part is trying to keep me safe, you know, and I kind of developed this almost joking, friendly relationship with that part. Like, 
wow, you are really on the ball. You know, you never take a break. You're just always looking out for me. And, you know, these these parts, just like people, they they can learn better skills, more effective ways of accomplishing those ends, which is, you know, to keep you safe, to, to get you happy. And so for me, it was just so powerful because it shifted everything inside me internally from, you know, instead of walking around at war with myself, it was just like, no, we're all on the same side. We're all on the same team. Even these parts that are, you know, causing some causing some problems in my life, they're, they're trying to help. They're like a bunch of flawed friends and, you know, kind of, yeah, bumbling buddies. <laughs> it's just that reptilian part of the brain that's trying to keep you safe and it's doing totally. it. Yeah. Yeah. So did you stumble across that before or after you started writing your book? Good question. It was, it would have, it would have been during because again, the book, the book was honestly probably about 10 years in the making. I yeah, worked not, on it and it, it, it started. It happened overnight. It, yeah, it's, I, I plan to be much more efficient with my future books, but this one, it took what it took. What it took. You know, I worked on it between work projects and that sort of thing. So again, the work, this, this internal work, which is, it's also exactly the type of work I do because I was working with somebody yesterday who, you know, there was a part of her that she was rejecting her entire life. Right. And in her case, it was worthlessness. And I mean, the tears were there and, the you know, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want any part of it. And yet that part of her was the rejected, you know, abandoned part that just needed love. Right. And, right. and once, uh, I actually, uh, I, I think of it as brain Aikido. You know, you, 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 you don't push against that energy. You find out what it wants. What does it need? Right. What is it doing there? And then it just automatically turns around into something. I always say we're like iPhone 14s operating on iPhone 3 technology. <laughs> you know, how well does that work out? So, and yes, it's so crazy when all it wants is love. It wants communication. It wants understanding. It wants protection it wants you know something but it wants it in real time not however it learned how to function as a two-year-old six-year-old eight-year-old yeah yeah and and in ifs lingo that part would be considered an exile part so in in ifs there are three three general categories of of parts there are managers most parts are managers you know they're just trying to keep things safe and orderly and, yeah. and you know, functioning. Yeah. Um, then there are firefighter parts, yeah. which are typically addictive parts. Yeah. So they, they just think everything's an emergency and they come yeah. swooping in and, you know, um, tearing down the house to put out a fire. Yeah. And then there are exile parts. Oh, just these deeply wounded parts. Yeah. Which possibly like, like your clients, we often kind of reject and ignore because we're afraid that if we go to them, that the system will be overwhelmed, yeah. that they're just going to be too much yeah. for the system to bear. And and the the great thing about IFS is that it's able to modulate that systemic energy and keep things from, from becoming overwhelming. Um, but it sounds like you just kind of intuitive, intuitively 
found your way there. So that's incredible. Well, uh, yeah, it's just a different uh, way into the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It really is all the same, same stuff, you know, loving yourself, loving all the parts of yourself. And also, you know, figuring out how to do that, because sometimes we don't just naturally feel it, you know. So it's not so much about a feeling, although the feeling in my experience does come, but it's it's about actions and it's about, you know, being there for ourselves. And if we if we notice that we have this part that we just reject and, and don't like, then you know, looking, looking at that part, talking to that part and just, you know, figuring out the, the complexities of that relationship and, you know, how we can, how we can learn to find some fondness for that part. Absolutely. Yeah. Changes the energy completely. Yeah. It's that old saying, what we resist persists. And if you totally... But actually, advanced meditators are very much the same way. Um, if if you feel something uncomfortable in your body, mm-hmm. rather than push it away and and m- try to get away from it, just go as deeply into the center of it as you possibly can. And then it, it's like a knot that just sort of unravels. Right, right. And the way I've heard it described is that what we often find, and I have experienced this myself because I've had a daily meditation practice for a long time. Um, but the the act of concentration in itself is pleasant, you know. Even if the sensation we're not feeling is pleasant, looking. I'm at glad it. you brought that up. I've recently gotten into ice baths. Have you done that? I have. Yes, yes. In fact, I I've been to a couple of Wim Hof workshops. My yeah. my boyfriend is, you know, a, a follower of Wim Hof. We've never met the act. I don't. Do you know who Wim Hof is? Oh, of course. No. I, okay. Okay. I, I've been taking cold showers for years now, which is pretty, yeah. You know, when it's twenty eight degrees outside, that can be a pretty crispy shower. It could be really cold. Yeah. I've I've been doing that religiously for a couple of years now. I've been been to some workshops and done the cold dips, um, and then Your just on a daily basis. Stephen, is it? Pardon me. Your boyfriend's first name isn't Stephen, is it? No, no, because okay, there's Elijah. There's a, a Stephen uh, here that is also a Wim Hof certified instructor. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's in funny. fact, he's one of the first people I met when I moved here. Um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm in love with it. I just, I want to get one of those regulated things because uh, I, I did seven minutes in um, 47 degrees uh, earlier this week. I'm, I'm just digging it. In where, where did you do it? Uh, a friend of mine has a, a tank with a temperature regulator on it. Wow. Wow. See, I, I've enjoyed it. And my boyfriend has a, has a tub that he fills with water and keeps outside. So in the winter, yeah. you know, sometimes I, <laughs> I'll do that. I always dread it, you know, I just absolutely dread it. But it does, it does really bring you to yourself. You know, and Vim Hoff's story is so fabulous because he was suicide. He was desperately depressed. Yeah. He couldn't solve her problems. And the fact that he was a mail carrier in the UK and is now this superhuman guy going all over the world teaching people how to do this. And and it's so freeing. It's like it rings you out of all the because you're so present. Yeah. 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 I didn't know he was a mail carrier. 
Yeah, he he was like just this ordinary guy. And now look at us. Right. Yeah. He checked in with salmonella uh, to see what would happen. And and he did, his temperature didn't even increase because he's got so much. He has so much, uh, um, you know, uh, immune factors in his his body that, you know, he he's <laughs> to all this stuff. He goes, he goes climbing up the sides of icebergs half naked. I mean, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. Yeah. The people I, I've had some instructors who know him and have met him and he definitely sounds like a character. That's yeah. for sure. I started uh, wondering what it's like to get certified by him. I know you have to go to like Greenland and do all this stuff and yeah, I think now it's a formal certification program, but um, my instructor that I had, whose name was Jesse, he, he talked about how he was one of the first people to become, you know, an instructor. And so WIM didn't have any kind of formal program. So it was basically just going to hang out with him, you know, and he would, he would take them out drinking every night. And then the next day they would like, you know, do this cold plunge and all, all this, all this crazy, crazy stuff. It, it sounded That's yeah. so fun. It's so um, vibrant and so just in the present moment. And yeah, I, I don't think Wim Hof has any problems with accepting himself. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> so what are the big uh, feedback things that you've gotten from your book? Because, um, you know, it's such a unique premise um, it's, it's so fleshed out and well-written and, and, you know, you really, you like this person that is choosing to not be all disappointed that, you know, this dream thing that we all associate as the Cinderella thing, you know, isn't, but she, you know, what, what, what has been the biggest feedback that you've gotten from people in terms of how it's shifted their perspective, their their ideas about themselves, about the dating process. Yeah, well, I think it's a concept that a lot of people can relate to is what I found, because basically the book is about, you know, someone who has this dream, dream life, this fairy tale come true, and then things go off the rails. And so it's really at its essence, a story about you know, who we are and what matters when the whole image we had of what our life was going to look like is suddenly just out the window. And I think that is something that almost everyone has to wrestle with because whose life looks like they imagined it would. Um, and so that's that's one thing that's been really interesting and just just really heartening for me to see is just how many people and different ages and different demographics, you know, just just relate to the book on that level, because I've met a lot of people like I've done some book club discussions um, where people have just, you know, confided in me afterwards just about how they, you know, they themselves, they're entering a new phase of life or they just got a divorce or, or just whatever, for whatever reason, they're kind of having to to start over because that's you know, we all have to do that in life. Everything changes. There are new chapters, things end, things begin, and we have to find a way to keep going forward. And and again, like we talked about, if we have that, you know, self-love and self-commitment at our foundation, then 
you know, we have a leg to stand on. You know, we can we can move forward. Um, so it's been really it's been really nice to hear people's reactions in that regard. And, you know, I had a, a few people tell me that, oh, they're going to go and read that last scene in the book, you know, anytime they're feeling low. <laughs> and and I that really meant a lot to me. So it's it's been really, really great hearing the reactions. Um, among other things, the book has a vegan protagonist. So that was one thing I was excited about is bringing, you know, veganism into the mainstream. And it, it's pretty funny because veganism, as you, as you know, is not not the focus by any stretch of the book, um, although it does play an integral role in, in the plot. Um, but what's funny is the vegans I know who read the book some of the, some of them have said, "Why didn't you make it more more focused on the vegan stuff?" And then the non-vegans are like, "Why did you shove the vegan stuff down our throats?" So I thought it was so. I thought it was a cool little um, I don't know, just different uh, spice in the book. Uh, I mean, I I think awareness about how animals are treated in our country worldwide and, you know, otherwise is needs to be brought. I, I just don't think, I, I don't think we can consume animals that have been tortured their entire lifetimes and expect that our bodies are going to benefit from that. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's buried away. I interviewed John Robbins, who you probably know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Years ago and um, a couple of times. And, uh, uh, it's just it's it's not he took Julia Childs to see where veal was being raised. And, you know, Julia Childs, hello, cookbook, blah, blah, blah. And she was horrified. She said, oh, my God, I had no idea it was this severe. And she said, no more veal. I'm not I'm not advocating for anybody eating veal ever again. Wow. Um, and that's the problem is, I mean, we just don't see it. I mean, we wouldn't treat our dog. Exactly. Yeah. This way we Yeah. Would. We wouldn't allow anybody to treat an animal this way, except it's going on in the millions. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I always say. If one person alone in his basement did to an animal what, you know, we do on a mass scale of by the billions, you know, we call that person a psychopath. <laughs> but, you know, institutionalize it and, you know, again, exponentialize the numbers and suddenly, oh, it's just business. And as John Robbins says, all you have to do is stamp food on an animal and you can treat it any way you want. Right. Right. And um, who was the, there was some great person, I don't know if it was Abraham Lincoln or Gandhi or somebody that says, I don't care so much about a society except how they treat their animals. Who was that? Do you remember? Yeah, I, I know that quote. Um it might have been, yeah, it might have been Lincoln. I, I can't recall offhand. Yeah, something like every every society sh is, you know, should be judged by how it how it treats its animals. Yeah, yeah. I so do. That that was part of my agenda, to be honest, is to help normalize veganism through the, through the arts. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, so if you were to go back in time and talk to Christine ten years ago. And give her a message to help her get through the next 10 years. What would that be? I would tell her, just get on with it. You know, let let go of the ego. Let go of the, the fears. Just just get on with it. You know, <laughs> because for instance, I think 
you know, if I'm brutally honest with myself regarding how long it took to write the book, and I'm not, I'm not berating myself for this, but, you know, a big part of it, I would say, is that as long as I was still working on it, I could maintain this fantasy, this grand dream of, oh, once this book is published, then my life will begin. You know, so it was kind of kind of ironic because in some ways I was playing out the same mindset of Julia in the book, like, oh, on this certain day, this special day when I'm when I'm chosen, <laughs> uh, my real life begins. So I think, you know, I just I I lost a lot. And again, it took what it took. And honestly, the process of the book was just it was really fun to write. You know, there were there were days when I would um, be between work projects and I'd sit in a coffee shop and write all day. And I realized at the end of the day, wow, I have had a smile on my face the whole day. <laughs> you know, so I, I loved my characters. I still love them. Um, I loved being with them. So I think I think part of me didn't didn't want to finish for that reason. Um yeah, but but what I would say to myself is just, you know, get on with it because especially for us writers, we're sensitive. You know, we don't we don't our our books and our creations are precious to us and it's scary to put them out in the world. It's you know, hard to receive constructive criticism and and as a result, I I would say I, I wasted a lot of time. You know, because at the end of the day, if you're going to be a writer, you, you have to just get over that and just yeah. put things out in the world. And so I, I would I would just tell myself, just, you know, get get on with it. Like, stop, stop making things harder than they, than they need to be and just do what you want to do. You know what you want to do. So just do it. And how have you been spreading the word about your book? Is it a word of mouth? Are you doing, you know, appearances? How How is that process working? Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a mix of different things. Um, appearing on podcasts is is one that's been great, um, including some vegan podcasts, and I've also done some book club discussions, which have been really fun because the novel, you know, as you've alluded to, it has a strong self help component, which lends itself really well to book club discussions. So I've done a couple of book club groups um, here in Nashville and Charleston. I've got one one coming up in Florida. And then I've also um, been at several vegan conferences where I, you know, let people know about the book or give, you know, offer my book for sale there. Um, so it's been a mix of, of different things. Those are the primary primary ones. Well, when you're that happy, smiling from ear to ear and time goes by, that's kind of living your dharma, isn't it? True. Yes. Yeah. You have another one in the works. I do. I do. And I, this this one was inspired by a talk that I gave at um, a place in Nashville called Sunflower Cafe. I was I was hosting an event for another author and a true hero of mine named Will Tuttle, who wrote a book called The World Peace Diet. And so I gave an introductory talk about self-love. And after that talk, I had several people come up to me and say, you know, you really need to write a book on this. And I had been contemplating that a little bit. So the plan is to write a companion 
guide to marrying myself. Um, oops. Yeah. <laughs> Companion guide. Um, that's going to be a self-love playbook. I don't want to call it a workbook. Oh, that's wonderful. That's <laughs> yeah. So great. Yeah. So that that's the plan. So aiming for that to be out next year. Fantastic. And, and how did you go about getting a publisher? Did you self-publish? How did you do this? Um, marrying myself. Yeah, it was. That was part of why the process took so long as well was um, the way the publishing process works is first you submit to agents. So that's that's uh, you know, that that's a task. That's definitely a big, big hurdle for a first time writer because people don't know who you are and they're flooded with submissions. So submitted to literary agents and then, um, you know, had had some interest from a few agents and one agent in New York City asked me you know, she she liked the book and believed in the book but wanted some re- revisions and among other things the book was far t- far too long for its genre so they have very hard um upper word limits for women's fiction which is the genre of this book um so i needed to essentially i needed to just cut the book down by a third <laughs> and did you do that I did that. Yes. Yes. It was, it was tough. And I'd still like to do something with the chapters that were cut. You know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out something to some way to offer those up because, because I liked those chapters as well. Um, so yeah. So revision after revision, you know, communicating with, with this agent who just gave me so much helpful feedback. There were a couple of agents, in fact, at that the same agency who were all reading the book and giving me input and suggestions. And, you know, in my mind, of course, it was just, oh, geez, you know, how how many rounds of this are we going to go through? But at the same time, of course, it's just priceless to have people who care enough about a, a work to want it to be, you know, the best it can be. So working with this agent. Um, getting getting the book into shape and marketable and commercially viable. And then um, I signed formally with that agent. And then um, the next stage of the process is is the agent submits to publishers. Um, so that's what we did and then ended up entering into a publishing deal with an independent press in Texas. So I was... I was Going a lot easier to do the second thing that you're doing now that you've already paved the way with the first that people are familiar with your work. I, yes, I mean I think there is something to that. Although my next work is a totally different genre, and in fact, I think I'm going to self-publish the Marrying Myself Companion Guide, just because it see it feels right, you know, especially when it's about self-love. It kind of seems seems appropriate to self-publish. And I think I can market it well, you know, just through the events I attend. And I, yeah, I have some ideas. And also, I just want to learn more about self-publishing and just see see how it goes. That's great. Love to see people being just guided by what makes sense for them. Yeah. Powerful. Beautiful. By the way, thank you for all the kind things that you've said about the book. I really appreciate that. That means so much to me. You're welcome. Well, it was it was really a, a joy to read. I was um, it was kind of my little uh, 
I don't know. It's just a fun way to, you know, it was my my way to fill up my day in a way that was just exciting and and fresh. <laughs> like, oh, I wonder which way this is going to go now. <laughs> yeah, I will say the process of writing the book, some of the scenes just came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, uh, I, I had a a general concept of how the plot would develop, but some of the side stories I, I didn't see coming myself. So it was, it was kind of funny because I. I told myself, well, I have to finish this book because I have to see <laughs> see what else happens. Right. What was the best thing uh, about having a strong idea and seeing it through from beginning to end? What was the best takeaway that you got from that? Well, again, getting back to self-love, you know, it was seeing something through and just saying, for for one, like I like I said, I felt a real devotion to my characters, and so I was determined to get them out into the world. I felt I owed it to them. I had that obligation and responsibility. So the process of submitting was kind of ameliorated by the just my attitude and feeling that I, I'm advocating for these these characters that I care about and who deserve to be heard, who've gone unseen their whole lives and, and now they deserve to be seen. And then just on a personal level, again, so many writing projects in the past that have gone unfinished or, you know, have just languished, not being put out into the world. And so with with this book, Again, you know, I had kind of a serendipitous beginning and then I was just determined to see it through. And it was it was an interesting, interesting process. Again, letting go of the ego and just, you know, submitting and revising and working on it. But again, I always knew intuitively just just at my core that getting this book out into the world was the biggest act of self-love that I could, you know, that I could commit. Yes. Um, so, so I had, I had to, I knew I had to do it. That's, um, and then what I realized quickly after, after I signed my publishing deal with set, Oh, writing the book is the easy part. <laughs> it's yeah. What comes after writing the book, you know, with, with, with the agents and the publishers and the marketing. Oh, that that's a whole other skill set, a whole other profession even. Yeah. I've interviewed a, a number of New York Times bestsellers and it used to be back in the day that when you had a publisher, you could sort of sit back and let them do all the legwork. And these days you got to be out there promoting your little tushy off from what I hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hustle. The creative you are, the more insightful you are about who you're most serving and where you're showing up to do that. That seems to be really key. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And and finding ways, of course, to do it organically. I always feel, you know, I'm 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 not a fan of self promotion, but again, just you know, if I don't tell people about my book, they're not going to find out about it. Yeah, so. and like you were championing the characters in your book, which I think right, right, uh, an interesting perspective. Um, you 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 know, if you don't champion yourself, then people don't get to uh, experience the benefits of uh, the gifts that you're bringing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really funny because I was working with a business coach at one point, and she she interviewed 
you know, a publisher and had people, you know, submit different questions about like, you know, how to get your book published and what you, what the process is like. And it was funny because he was kind of a, a tough love guy and just, you know, well, if you're submitting and getting rejections, maybe, maybe the book just isn't very good. Maybe you just, just stop, you know, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't that harsh, but he was, he was a little bit, a little bit cold. And then I, I forget how it came up, but somehow she, I mentioned, I had mentioned to her, you know, that I, I felt I owed this to my characters and just had to do this for my characters. And it was so funny because his response was just like, he just kind of came to a cold, hard stop. and was like, okay, okay. well, in that case, you just do it. You got to do it. <laughs> That's great. Can I ask, and, uh, uh, and knowing that uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, I think, got rejected, I don't know how many thousands of times. <laughs> how, how many rejection letters did you have to go through? Um, a lot. Yeah, I kept I kept a spreadsheet. I had decided because, again, the first hurdle for a new author is finding that literary agent. Right. And so I was, you know, submitting, submitting, submitting. I, I kept a spreadsheet of my various submissions and I had decided, OK, if I get to 100 and still don't have any takers, then I'm going to I'll revisit this this idea. Um, so it was it was short, short of 100, but it was getting getting up there. And, you know, some of those people uh, responded positively, but just, oh, this isn't the kind of thing I represent. This isn't, you know, this isn't quite up my alley, but, you know, yeah. but I like it. So I it wasn't like, you know, all all harsh, you know, mean <laughs> yeah. rejection. But um, I, I love I love the um, idea and the mindset uh, that, uh, you know, failure is not unfortunately school trains people to think that, you know, you never fail and you do everything by yourself. And that's the exact opposite of what success is built on. You know, success is built on loving to fail because you haven't tried if you haven't failed. Failed right. is an absolutely necessary component of success. And so is working with other people, uh, because sometimes it's the it's the who, not the 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 how. It really is. And in fact, in fact, the way that I first connected with this literary agent was, you know, you, you can research for agents. Um, you can find them online. But but again, they're so flooded with submissions that unless you have some kind of personal contact, it's going to be tough to just to get eyes on your manuscript. And so I had gotten into the practice of just asking everybody I knew if they knew any literary agents. Right. And I was working at this law firm in downtown Nashville and was chatting in the kitchen one day with this um, employee there who was a really nice guy, very gregarious, you know, the kind of guy who knows a lot of people. And I said, Gordon, do you happen to know any literary agents? And he like scratched his head and said, I know an editor with the help. I said, sure. He's like, I'll call her. <laughs> so he went and called this editor friend and she asked me to send a few chapters and she liked them and said, I think this might be a good fit for an agent I know named Jane Von Maren in New York. 
And, you know, I would, why don't you send it to her? And so that, that was the woman who ended up becoming my agent. What a great lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Lesson. Yeah. When we own our stuff and we're just out there asking for what we need. I mean, right. I mean, great uh, exercise that you can do where you like go to heaven and uh, you know, there's this room that you're not supposed to go in. <laughs> Have you heard this one? Have you done that? Oh, no. Yeah. And, and in that room, you know, it's like heaven's great and it's wonderful, but you're not supposed to go in this one room, except one day the door is a little bit open. So the guy goes in there and he's like, and the room is what is all the stuff that you could have had if you just asked. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Yeah. There's that thing too. About that. We, you know, and so many of us, it goes back to worthiness. If you don't feel worthy, you're not going to show up, stand in your own two feet and ask. Yeah. Well, what's the worst that somebody's going to say? You know, nope, sorry, don't know anybody. So no, no, don't, don't, your, your work wasn't for me, whatever. You, you know, you're not looking for that. Okay. That's one more that isn't what I'm looking for. The one that I'm looking for is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's been a good exercise. And, you know, again, people, people are going to respond to my book or they're not, it's not for everybody. Obviously it's got a, you know, target, target genre audience and, um, and, and that's fine. But what I've just been keeping in mind is that in many cases, if, if I'm at a party or just some event, if I don't mention my book, chances are they're never going to hear about it <laughs> so you know so, so where's the best do? place for people to get your book amazon uh, audible i listen to it on audible and you do you read it on audible um no no unfortunately i, I wish i'd had the the chance unfortunately okay. the publisher controlled that process so okay it was still uh, yeah. incredible it was still delightful i loved it um very entertaining uh, very engaging. Um, I found that it was just my thing that I wanted to go to if I wanted to, you know, have a have a nice little tasty treat for the day. Ah, I love that description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a fun read. I think of it as a fun read, but with substance, you know, that kind of leaves you thinking. I hope I hope I accomplished that at least. Oh, 100 percent. Because, again, I love that it wasn't formula. I love it that it had a message that is so important to our personal development um, your and I work, you know, crosses over that way that it's just, it's about finding that part of us that we're rejecting, that we're not seeing, that we're experiencing a block mass and, and yeah. dance with it, having a relationship with it, opening up uh, our hearts to it, accepting it. Um, and that really is, I think the foundation for so much of the, the strife and struggles that our world is experiencing because it's, it's that, what is it about ourselves that we don't like? What is it that right, right? Yeah, the way the way I put it, and I'll go into this more in the in the book that I'm working on now. But I really think we need a self love revolution, you know, because unless unless we have that, like you said, that's at the root of all other social ills. Yeah. Um, and as far as the book goes, I have a friend who called it the anti romance romance. Which which I loved because it you know kind of flips the flips the traditional notion of romance on its head and just highlights that at the end of the day our most important relationship is the one we have with ourselves 
So as far as where people can get the book, all the usual places. Um, but I would suggest visiting my website, christinemelaniebenson.com. Fantastic. And I also have information on there about my IFS coaching work. Fantastic. Um, and I really, yeah, it's it's really authentic self-love. It's not the, it's not the, oh, gee, I'm strutting my stuff. I'm beautiful. Right. It's, 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 right. I, I'm okay on all levels. Um, even the parts of me that I previously thought weren't okay, they're really, you know, just parts of me that needed some extra love, attention, acceptance, um, you know, nurturing, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yep. Yep. I know self-love, it sounds, it sounds so basic and we hear about it all the time. And yet it's, it's so deep and it really is a lifelong journey because, you know, love, love deepens, love grows, love expands. And so we find different ways and we may think that we're loving ourselves and then come to realize, oh, I was and I wasn't, you right. know, so I think there's always more, more to learn and more, more to discover. And the great thing about that is that it's, it's an amazing process. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Christine, thank you so much. I have a hunch that we're going to run into each other uh, in town sometime soon, which is what would be great. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. And again, thank you. Thank you for reading my book and thank you for just having me. It's been a true delight. Fantastic. And we will see you on the next episode of Next Level Healing. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Next Level Healing. Please like, subscribe, and let us know how this helped you. How can it be even more life-changing? We love hearing from you. And if you're eager to upgrade your life, click the button here or go to consultterra.com and get your free customized GPS map. Get the coordinates for where you are now and where you want to go. Clients consistently report it's faster and easier than they thought possible. Remember, you were meant for more and it is available to you. See you right here next week for our next episode.